the atmosphere. Yeah. He said he wanted to get shot into space. And we were beginning to discuss the logistics of this. Like his corpse. You know, when he dies. That said, yes, we're done discussing the logistics of it. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. Me, me, me. You know what? Come you know on. What? Yeah. Put on the recording. Yeah, it's a recording now. Oh, kicking this old fool. Shit. Boot to the head. Ow. No. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Boot to the head. Oh, stop <laughs> hitting me in the balls. Boot to the penis. Oh, you're, not, you're not very nice. Boot to the head. <laughs> so, uh, Ruben, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Robbie. So, uh, when I die, and uh-huh. if I got cremated, would you butt chug my ashes? What? Are you uh, a dying wish? Are you really going to put that hold on the podcast? Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I've heard worse. I've heard worse. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to butt chug them. Hey, All right. Can it, we're going to need that in writing later. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll work on that. No, shut up, Ruben. I got, I got an important question for you. When I, when I die, you know, at 30. Uh-huh. Can you take my ashes, put them in your pee-pee, and then nut in a bitch for me, in her pussy? You know what? <laughs> yeah, I'll do that right for you, dude. And I will. I'm a go for that for you, man. <laughs> I, I'm your go-to dude. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, that Kareem, I'm gonna get pussy after that, death. That, that, that's next. That's like that's a step further than the fucking uh uh what like the some fucking image of like the the ashes in the dildo. Oh God! <laughs> like, uh, you're just taking it to the next uh, logical conclusion. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> that's horrible. Anyways, this is the Mystery Meat Podcast. My name is Ruben. With me are two, my two co-hosts. Uh, Robbie and Kareem. Hey, hi guys. Uh, Bye. What's up? Wow. Instructions wow. unclear. Yeah, you failed, and now you're fired. God, so, my, anyway, my toaster uh, is on fire. Help me. <laughs> you're dumb. Uh, so we got three albums for you guys, like always, and they're pretty good albums. We got. The Seven Day Theory by Machiavelli. The Don Caluminati, um, The Seven Day Theory by Machiavelli, also known as Tupac. I'll be quiet now. Move along, uh, The All American Rejects, and My Grandma's Basement by Jaron Benton. And Cream is going to start us off for this podcast episode. Go on, Cream. Let's uh, move on to uh, move, move along. Who, me? That's right. The one who looks so delicious. Wow. He wants my bacon! The All-American Rejects are an American rock band from Stillwater, Oklahoma, and they were formed in 1999. And the members are Tyson Ritter, he's the lead singer slash bassist, Nick Wheeler, he's the lead guitarist, Mike Kennedy, he's a rhythm guitarist, which, which means he's not like, um, the lead guitarist usually does the solos, rhythm guitarist usually stays to the melody, and Chris Gaylor, who's on drums. And Nick Wheeler and Tyson Ritter came up with this band since high school. They were they've been working on it that long, and they even actually produced uh, a demo and an EP, and that was kind of how they got their like foot in the door into um, the actual music industry. They sent out the EP called "Same Girl New Songs" to an independent label called Doghouse Records, which did a lot of alternative rock, pop, punk. Uh, they had a lot of creators in that genre, so they sent it to them. And supposedly, the story goes is they sent the disc to house but somehow someone threw it out or something they thought maybe it was maybe they thought it was shit they threw it out but uh an intern saved the disc from the trash and apparently they showed it to the label owner uh, which led to them getting a contract i don't know if that's true but it's pretty fucking crazy if it and today 
we're talking about uh, long. Oh yeah. I got a question. Yeah. So are they still going? Yeah, they're they're actually still they haven't made any like they made some stuff in 2019, 2020, but they're not planning on making a new album. So they like never that. moved along from their fame? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, they, they had a couple albums after move along but yeah they're they, they kind of they stopped moving along yeah they uh, stopped moving along <laughs> yeah and um move along was released in 2005 and it was pretty fucking successful for them they sold two mil over two million copies which makes it a multi-platinum album uh usually uh platinum's uh, around two million I'm pretty sure. So yeah, they sold a lot within a short span of time. It was number six on the Billboard 200, and they made 90,000 copy sales in the first uh, week. So yeah, people really, really oh, <laughs> like this album. Dude, people were fucking up. I remember back in when I was like middle school or high in high school, people loved All American Rejects. Like when that song Move Along came out, oh my god, I could not get away from it. Yeah, you, you couldn't. It, it was on, they used it a lot for like commercials and shit. Like that, that that's how I kind of got into them and knew about them. But uh, let, let's talk about the, the, the album now. What would we what do we think? Do you want me to be really crushing and mean or do you want me to be nice? Uh, uh whichever. I would give us the, the, uh, the crushing one because I'll probably not that different from his fucking soul. Okay, yeah. so this is basically the Imagine Dragons of the 2000s, but slightly better. And I, I like some of the songs, but they're, it's, and I love My Chemical Romance, but this isn't really a compliment. It's their diet My Chemical Romance. They lack the edge. They lack really the hit. They, it's, it's kind of like drinking watered down Diet Coke, claiming you like it. I mean, I, I like it, so I guess I'm insulting myself now, but like, I don't know. It was just so mainstream like of the songs I liked i don't think they have that much depth to them which you know is okay but even as just like party songs it's like i don't know who this is really for aside from you know like middle schoolers who haven't yet discovered you know shit like my chemical romance or eminem or bring me the horizon type stuff like i just don't think this is an album that really lasts that long past you know its release date you know, like it sounds like the 2000s in such a boring gimmicky way to me that you know i can easily place it there and sure i can kind of do that with eminem i can kind of do that with 50 cent but i can also find myself going back to their albums to listen a lot easier there's not often a time where you know i'm like yeah let's go listen to all american rejects you know what i mean yeah i think that's kind of my problem because i have fond memories of this band and i, I like to listening to because again you couldn't really go anywhere around that time 2000s uh, without fucking listening to them <laughs> and uh like i i like to move along uh even though it's so fucking overplayed now i liked top of the world that one was a big favorite of mine even growing up because i was in burnout revenge and oh i fucking love that game but uh yeah this is like i think it's pretty good yeah that, that's a pretty okay song i i do think you're right that like i there's definitely better bands i could probably listen to like more and more I, again you know what i mean like i think that like it's not horrible but it's just kind of there it's okay it's not like anything stand out to me is my issue you know you know here's my thing with it uh this album very much and i don't know why but every time i think of all american rejects i think oh my god there's that disney band but they're on, they're not a disney band the only thing, reason I think that is because they sound like they should have been in a Disney movie with their, some of their... They were, the kind of. Were they? Night Drive is in the Cars video game. I think it might be in the movie as well. Really? But yeah, they're there. Huh. <laughs> yeah, but, that's how I yeah, Night like, Drive. Yeah, like they would shit in a Disney movie and then that that's it. Like that's all I would ever know them for is for that one Disney movie. 
And All I really know them for is Bionicles, It Ends Tonight, which I think was a radio hit, Night Drive, and Dirty Little Secret. Yeah. I knew about Dirty Little Secret, but yeah, I don't know, man. For me, it's just, it's not that great of an album, man. It's very kind of like, meh. It's kind of like the definition of a meh album for me. I don't really, I didn't really get the fuck back. And I don't really get the uh, hype if there ever is one today about them, you know? Right. It, 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 I think I I genuinely, I think I'm good on listening to All American Rejects for the rest of my life. You know, I, I think that I can kind of say that at this point. Like If I go through life and I'm on my deathbed and Robbie or you come in and you're like, hey, bro, listen to this mixtape I made you because we still have mixtapes when I'm fucking 80 years old. And you plop it into the, you know, the glass screen because we're not going to have anything else but like super small little glass screen that does everything for us i'll tell you my dirty little secret <laughs> yep. and wakes up grabs a gat and executes me on the spot and then goes back to being dead <laughs> Bam. that yeah that's exactly how i feel it's like i, I could definitely go without hearing about them i did a long time kareem until you suggested them <laughs> Yeah, I, I did go a long time yeah, without you. Yeah. I was yeah. in the same boat. Uh, I, you broke that record for me, so thank you, you fucking asshole. <laughs> I also hate their album cover because it's just them. It's basic. It's basic. It's so basic. I like it's the font, but eh. I don't even like the font. I want, I, I want to slap the the dude in the front. So here's <laughs> the deal, and I want to go over the songs I actually liked as well. I like Straight Jacket Feeling, I'm Waiting, and Stab My Back too. But again, I can get much better. If I want to listen to something like All American Rejects, I'm going to go to what, you know, I'm going to go to My Chemical Romance because that's the same fucking vibe I get. Just All American Rejects waters the fuck down. And, you know, I just don't think they have that much of their own identity outside of being, you know, the edgy introduction for a bunch of fucking like young middle schoolers or fifth or sixth graders. Like Nickelback has more of an identity and all they fucking do is pretend they're Americans, even though they're from fucking Alberta. I mean, people give people will still give Nickelback shit, but I, I genuinely like real. I I'd listen to Nickelback fucking ten times over. I enjoy them. And this is like, like I, I don't, I don't have much to say beyond like this is eh. I, I pretty much agree. I'm gonna give it a five out of ten. All right, I, I'll give it a five. And also, um, I, I got a, we got, I got a wacky story about the All American Rejects because in, uh, in 2006 they were taking a vacation. Uh, they, they were on a yacht in the Caribbean, and somehow I don't, I don't know why. I guess they got too close to like, uh, like an island that wasn't really well documented, and they got kidnapped by a small gang of criminals in that area. They were called, like, the Paraca or something. And it was pretty bad. It was an international story. Uh, they were, you know, like, I was looking this up because I thought you were being serious, then you said Paraca. <laughs> Dude, I, 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 was, I was with it. Hold on. I was with it all the way up until he said this mysterious island that no one knows about. And then I was like, holy shit, he's gonna fucking do it, isn't he? <laughs> I, I had to. I couldn't resist. The, those fucking you had commercials were Great. <laughs> I'm lowering my rating to a four now. I was gonna give them a four. Now I'm lowering it to a three because you had to remind me that they got fucking kidnapped by fucking the <laughs> It was a national story, Ruben. It was no one cared. No one cared. Four out of ten album overall. <laughs> the what federal the government had to work with the Toa and Nika to save the Paraka. I, the, no, not save the Paraka. <laughs> save the, save the, all the 
from the The CIA worked with the Taliban to save bin Laden. No, no, they would never. (laughs) Uncle Sam would never work with terrorists. The CIA went to the Paraka and were like, yeah, kill those jackasses. (laughs) We want them back. Reject. Damn right they are. Okay. All right. All right. So my official rating is four. That's going to be my You just raised it. I already. uh, Okay, fine. Let me redo the math, Ruben. God. 4.3. It's not much better. God. And even worse, it it makes a decimal point. So you should hate yeah. this band way more. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if you lower it, you know, it'll it'll be okay, Kareem. Uh, you know what? You know what? Fine. Fuck it. I'll lower it to a four. <laughs> oh my fucking God. Really? Wait, lower- really? Is that your final answer? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Damn, poor All American Rejects. It's a 4 out of 10 overall mystery meat rating, then. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my chemical romance would get a 10. But look at these dorks. They got, you know, almost got a, a 4.7, then a 4, then a 4.3. Goddamn. Mm. Let's talk about um, uh, this guy's uh, grandma's basement, Ruben. Yeah, well, oh, let's look at the basement. You mean Mr. Benton? Ben Benton? Uh, yeah, Jerem Benton. Yeah, Danny Phantom's basement. Yeah, yeah. Jerem Benton. I'm going to catch him all because he's Jerem Benton. Uh, so Jaron Benton is an American rapper from uh, Decatur, Georgia. In early 2012, he signed rapper Hobson's independent record label Funk Volume and released a mixtape titled Free Basin with Kevin Bacon in June of 2012. So he started rapping at a pretty young age. At least this is what he says. He's, I started trying to rap pretty young and the shit was kind of whack. And then I got a little older and I started going around Atlanta performing at certain show uh, at certain showcases. I got a little name for myself, but it was kind of hard in Atlanta. Just due to the type of music that comes out from there, which is, you know, typical down south shit. All this kind of like the southern rap, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, so he's dissing an entire region just like Hobson. Keep going. There's not really that much I can really say on Jaron Benton. Like, he's, he's been married. He has two kids. Uh, I didn't know that he was 41, so he's been around for a while, actually. Uh, I thought the man was like in his 30s or at least my age, to be real honest with you. So my grandma's basement is his debut studio album, and the album was released in June 11th of 2013 through Funk Volume and was supported by the single Razor Blades and Steak Knives. Album features guest appearances from Dizzy Wright, Hobson, R.A. the uh, Raw the Rugged Man. Is that R.A. the Rugged Man or Raw the Rugged Man? Swizz, Vinny Paz, among others, uh, along with productions from Cato, MKA, Planet 5, and Spitzwell. Just uh, kind of get off the history track uh basically when you listen to the album i, I feel like it's a horror core i mean it's listed as horror core he does sound i don't know i think he sounds good but there's kind of a certain kind of obnoxiousness to his flow that um sometimes i don't particularly like and the whole kind of like little miracle shit he does with some of his songs isn't very good i hobson kind of does that shit you know what i mean where he just goes on this like consciousness or whatever just rhyming the rhyme they're trying to be eminem yeah but it doesn't really work out at least not in my mind but he has many influences so like 
He he's been influenced by Outcast, Cody Mob, Dr. Dre, Ludacris, LP, Busta Rhymes, Sean Price, Red Man, Wu-Tang Clan, Eminem, obviously, because there's a lot of influences there. Roscoss, Nine Inch Nails, which is interesting that it's Nine Inch Nails because I can, can kind of hear it. Yeah, Nine Inch Nails kind of uses those distorted sounds in a lot of their tracks where it kind of makes you have that uneasy feeling. And the other interesting one was Deftones. Would you think of that, Kareem? Would you think Deftones would have been a, an inspiration for him? Uh, not, not, uh, wouldn't have been my first thought, no. No, it wouldn't have been your first thought. No, it was definitely not my first thought. But no. Overall, I guess that's my only biggest gripe is that it's the lyrical miracle shit and that sometimes it's just his voice is just a little too obnoxious for me. But overall, the album is pretty uh, solid. I've seen it twice over uh, the week we were reviewing. So I kind of got a good handle on it. And at some point, a lot of the features I think are good. I don't think Hobson is particularly good on his feature, but I think pretty much everybody is good with their uh, song. Uh, Jaron Benton overall, yeah, I think it's good. I think it's a good album. And that's really my own gripe right there. So do you want me to be nice or be crushing? I want you to crush my soul. Okay, well, first of all, you smell kind of like mayonnaise. Okay, I'm kidding. Um, Wow. (laughs) I like the album, actually. I'll say that first. Big issue Funk Volume had is this idea that they were the saviors of hip-hop when there was nothing to save about hip-hop, quite frankly, even in the 2010s, yes. Along with Hobson's need to just diss everyone over fucking anything. I mean, I forgot who he exactly dissed, but he dissed someone because they, I think it was Kid Cudi claiming he skateboarded, and then his diss to Kendrick Lamar was, ow, he's short. Like, Hobson kind of just dissed everybody while claiming to be, you know, rap's Jesus. Like, he really did himself no fucking favors. That's why, that's probably part of why his career really didn't go anywhere, because, you know, Lil Wayne would hear this motherfucker talking about mopping up blood with his dreads, and he's like, okay. Fuck this guy. Aaron Bitten having any outcast influence kind of surprises me uh, because of his comments on Southern hip-hop. Maybe I took them a bit too negatively, but no, Jaron Bitten doesn't really sound like a Southern rapper to me. His lyrics are not as savory as Hobson could be at times, but at the same time, I also think Hobson is better. But I, I would have liked this album a lot in high school. I definitely think high school and middle school. The issue comes in that Funk Volume also never actually had their own sound. Because they were trying to do horrorcore, but Eminem. Like, Hobson, even early on, tried to do a Slim Shady thing. Like, there was Marcus and there was Hobson. And it was an extremely clear ripoff of a Marshall and Slim Shady. And it was kind of fucking cringe. Actually, no, he named the alter ego something like Hop of Madness and realized it was cringy. Anyway, <laughs> um, Funk Volume never really, I think, got why Eminem did what he did or said what he said. And Eminem never even went at rappers a lot of the time unless they went at him. He was going after fucking boy bands, like in sync and shit. Like, you never would have heard Eminem in um, this uh, Let's say Soldier Boy, even though, you know, no one really liked Soldier Boy. No, Eminem instead was going to go fucking diss, you know, NSYNC or Bieber. Another thing, too, I think, is that also, and this is kind of not even just Funk Volume's fault. This is just, and it's no one's fault. It's more so an influence Eminem has had on rap is we get all these people who come in and they're like, eh, you got to rhyme a lot. You got to do all the lyric. Like, it's kind of called Lyrical Miracle because a lot of times these rhymes don't matter. They don't say anything, really. And, you know, rhyming is something I do like in hip-hop. I do like the lyrical content. But, like, with an artist like NF or Hobson or Jaron Benton, at times it feels like they're rhyming just to rhyme. Like, congratulations, you can do that. And Eminem kind of does it, too. And it's why, like, I don't like Rap God. 
I yeah, right. He goes fast, but there's plenty of rappers who do that chopper style shit. Tech Nine does it, Twisted does it, you know, or Twista. You have a lot of rappers who do that, and I'm not necessarily going to say that they're among the best just because they can fucking rap like a hundred words a fucking second or whatever. You know, like, it's cool, I guess, some people. Personally, to me, not, though. And, again, I do think it's a good album for what it is. I think it's a decent horrorcore album, but it still sounds heavily like he's trying to be Slim Shady. It doesn't... It kind of tells me... Actually, no. No, I'm not going to go that far. It doesn't really tell me anything about Jaron Benton when I compare it to a Hobson album. You know what I mean? Like, that sounds really fucking harsh, considering the rating I'm going to give it later. And that I would go back to it. But it's just like, from this album alone, compared to his other label mates on Funk Volume, and this, the only two that I can remember really standing out, and to be fair, I ever listened to Dizzy, right? Hobson and Swizz kind of had their own identities, but Jaron Rice kind of sounds like Hobson, too. And quite yeah, frankly, we didn't even want Slim Shady 2 with Hobson. So I don't really know. And that's not to say that all of Hobson's grievances were, you know, useless. I think he had the right to be pissed off at Restless Records and Tamika Wright, who was who is Easy E's widow. But um, yeah, I'm going to stop babbling now. Oh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. No, I just I feel like Jaren doesn't have a lot of potential. You know what I mean? And obviously he's sold albums and who am I to tell him that he has no potential but the thing is it's like he's signed in with this company that just didn't take off his i don't think he really took off that much you know what i mean like he hasn't really released anything for quite a while it looks like yeah no yeah. he seems to just be vibing like he has some singles but a lot of the rappers who are funk volume at this point kind of just release you know non-album singles like even dizzy wright hasn't released an album mixtape since 2020 or no he released an ep in 2021 but even so i go through their discographies on wikipedia and i'm going to see a ton of non-album singles or featured yeah. stuff like funk of volumes legacy is kind of weird being the barely exists i would argue it's sad but like also on the other and i get what you say or you're saying uh he really doesn't have an identity he does similar to hobson i mean he's not hobson obviously but he sounds similar and i think he tries to be too hard to be like an eminem you know what i mean kind of like all are because hobson does the same shit yeah know? and what i kind of uh, want to add oops sorry no, 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 go ahead. Something I want to add there, too, is if I were to rap, I'll admit I would take influence from Eminem. But the thing is, like, one thing with horrorcore is I do think it's kind of important not to just copy one of the most successful rappers in the fucking genre of rap itself. Like, I don't know how to really explain it. Like, when you listen to Razakal or Bobby Knight or ICP, they have their own identities in a way. And even if they sound similar, because Razakel sounds similar to other horrorcore rappers at times, or Bobby Knight does, or ICP do. Like, even Eminem at times sounds similar to other rappers who you could call kind of call his peers. Like, him and Tech 9 kind of sound similar to an extent. Or, you know, if you listen to Infinite, which is Eminem's debut album, you can say it sounds similar to Nas or AZ. My point kind of is, though, that I feel like with Hop and Jaren, and even Swizz to an extent, I don't know about Dizzy, because I didn't listen to him a lot. They didn't really try to carve their own lane out. They were just focused on shock. And then Hobson would also make the cringy fucking raps about being a nice guy. And it was like, what the fuck are you doing? That's a different topic. <laughs> Jaron Benton didn't really do that. Jaron just sounds like he kind of wants to murder and kill and have a good time. Which, you know, that's fair. That, that's honestly kind of a lot of horrorcore in general. And he likes to say Mr. Benton a lot. 
He does. He he refers himself as Mr. Benton, which is very formal with and very distracting because it, that's not the way he raps. He does not rap very formal, so he's not Mr. Benton. You're Jaron Benton, sir. Shut up. <laughs> I mean, Marshall <laughs> called himself Mr. Mathers a couple times. No, Mr. you're not. Mr. Mathers, the fun and games are over. <laughs> oh, my God. It's horrible. Uh, did you have anything, uh, Cream, that you wanted to add? Um, uh, I'll say this was oh, – I mean – I didn't know this was his debut album, and I think as a debut album, I think this is like fine. I didn't really hate any tracks on here, really. I, I think there's probably some on here I'll probably listen to again, like Life in the Jungle or Heart Attack. Also, uh, Vinny Paz, I didn't know, because he was part of uh, Army of Pharaohs, and, I, and I've listened to him a couple times, and I, and I like that, so I, I wasn't... Uh, expecting to see him on this and I, I liked that um but yeah i i i'm not as familiar with like uh their stuff so i can't really uh comment too well on like the similarities but i, I get what you guys are like saying because yeah i, I think it's kind of like it's all right it's an all right debut album even though he doesn't have really much of identity there is certain songs where he does kind of shine or like or a certain kind of lyrics where it just kind of work out, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I like Dreams. I like Dreams a lot. I think that was pretty good. Yeah. So I'm going to go on to the ratings. I'm going to give this uh, probably... I'm probably going to give it a 7 out of 10. I wasn't, like, super enthusiastic about it, but on the other hand, it wasn't super bad. It was, a lot of the songs were enjoyable. The features were pretty good. Uh, it's just some personal nitpicks of mine, and that, you know, he, he sounds way too obnoxious, and not even the good kind of that, because, like, you can listen to the Beastie Boys, and that's their whole kind of, you know, niche is kind of obnoxious sounding. I just wasn't digging it on some of his verses. I'm going to surprisingly give it a 8 out of 10, even though I ripped the album into asshole, more or less. Alright, and I'll give it seven. Alrighty. What's the total? Yeah, what's the total? Um, alright, this total is going to be a zero! No, I'm kidding. It's a 7.7 out of 10. Miss Benson, Benson, right. Benson, you got a zero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ruben, you're gonna get dragged down to grandma's I know, basement. Hey, also, uh, before, you, uh, before uh, we go um, on to the next album, now, that album art is just him and then his grandma holding a gun <laughs> i like the this, coonskin hat he has this is a 10 out of 10 album art just because I, I do love that <laughs> that's all i wanted to say about it anyways so, let's move on do you guys want to hear about one of the best rap albums of the 90s yes <laughs> man that's one big cow i am not a cow i am a bull can't you tell the difference and i'm a pretty mean one too oh my god you mean um to the extreme. Uh, uh, Kareem's joke. joke was better, Ruben. I'm actually very disappointed in you right now. And I, I am considering I cutting right your pay. I, I don't even get paid. This this, this oh, shit no, I have. That's a funny thing. If I cut your pay, that means you pay me all amount. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. So anyway, shut the fuck up. <clears throat> Anyways, so the Don Caluminati, the seven-day theory, is... Essentially, Fox Shakur's last album, his first posthumous album, but last one released with, you know, his input in it whatsoever. It was released almost 
two months after his death in Las Vegas, Nevada, and was released on Death Row Records, Machiavelli Records, and Interscope Records. Tupac was kind of going towards a different thing with his music. This album is basically it was meant to be an underground release only. It was meant to be like a mixtape before mixtapes really kicked off again in the 2000s. And it has, you know, those elements of conscious and hardcore rap along with some horrorcore backing. Before I get into the album itself, one of the reasons also he changed his name to Machiavelli was because he was regarded as the prince of hip-hop, while Machiavelli had written one of his favorite books, which was The Prince Hawk Had Read in Jail. So he renamed himself to Machiavelli and also created a, or was going to create a record company with that name, which he was going to sign his group named The Outlaws to it. Niccolo Machiavelli, if you don't know, is a guy who basically wrote a satire that everyone takes seriously. It's a book that advocates deception and fear against one's enemies as a tactic to gain the power it's huh. a fucking old book but yeah um well i've heard i've heard of was it nikolai niccolo machiavelli uh, niccolo machiavelli i've heard of him i never read it once though i didn't really know that that is actually pretty i've cool. heard of it but I, yeah i didn't know it was a satire though i'm pretty sure it's supposed to be but i could be wrong on that Honestly, Tupac is kind of an interesting figure in hip-hop, especially with the whole West Coast, East Coast feud that was also going on during his lifetime, where essentially it was mostly him and Big E. However, there were other parts of it. There were rappers in there who weren't feuding with either of them, but were East Coast or West Coast. I really want to get into that right now. Is there anything you guys want to get into, though? Actually, I had an interesting little tidbit about one of the songs, if I may uh... Sure. The one song on the album is Hell Mary, which I think is a very popular song, uh, just among just Tupac. But interesting, the production of Hell Mary took under one hour to, it took about 15 minutes to write, about five minutes to play, and it uh, uh, hurt me bad, which is, I assume, the DJ or uh, producer. He made the beat in about 20, 30 minutes. And Outlaws on Paper Chase, Can, re- can You Relate, that was going to be the original hook. Then Shakur suggested putting it in them. So that's just a little interesting thing. Like, it didn't take that long to make. And it's actually a pretty soft song. No, no, I love that song. And I want to share one more thing. It's about Pac and Nas. So originally, Nas had made some, I think it was comments or it was lines where Tupac thought he was insulting him. So Pac went after him. And, you know, Nas would hear this. And he was, like, hurt over it because he was a big fan of Tupac. Um, Actually, at the... Uh, 1990s MTV Video Music Awards. Yeah, TV, you guys remember that? Most of you yeah. born in 2000 fucking won't. So um, they watched their beef there, and that was days before Tupac died. They were meant to meet in Vegas. They never got that chance. And actually, one of the last albums Tupac was listening to was Nas's It Was Written. Also, the song Me and My Girlfriend was inspired by the Nas song I Do Power. Me and My Girlfriend is actually about his gun. That that's there's no girl in there. It's a gun. Tupac's talking about, but he disses a metric fuck ton of people on this record, including Biggie, Junior Mafia, Puff Daddy, Lawsoul, Jay Z, Mob Deep, Exhibit, Dr. Dre, New York hip hop executives, uh, Jimmy Rosemond, Jax Agnant, and Walter Johnson. And he basically accuses them and associates of Puff Daddy and Big Big Boy Records in orchestrating the 1994 Quad Studio Assault, which was basically 
the main cause for Tupac going after Biggie because he thought Biggie had something to do with that attempt on his life. Yeah, it, that was a fucking deal. It was a huge fucking deal. And uh, he was just angry, dude. Like I would have been angry too, but I don't know. I, I feel... Hey, that whole situation is a whole different topic to talk about. I mean, that the Biggie fucking Tupac thing, that's just, that's an episode in and of itself with Death Row Records and Shook Knight and all that history right there. I'm sure many listeners, but it's pretty deep. There's a lot of shit that goes into it. That would be an episode, honestly. Yeah. But um, also, I want to comment. I actually like the album cover a lot. I kind of think the parental advisory sticker, I get why it's there. It's supposed to, you know, obscure the man's genitals, which is fine. But also, I like it as an art piece, and the stupid sticker kind of ruins it. That said, I, I like the album cover. I think it's an iconic one for the 90s and rap in general. Yeah, I really like it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, as far as like how I feel about the album personally, because I didn't uh, say anything about that. I was just saying about that song. As far as I feel about the album personally, I love Tupac. I think Tupac, I don't think he really has a bad song. And so I don't hear a song that I know from him and I hear it. I don't really think it's I've ever heard a bad song. To be really honest with you, yeah, I've heard maybe that weren't great, but like most of his songs are kind of just jam. You know what I mean? They just kind of hit you or they, they're kind of fire or they're just, I don't know. They're really, he, I think he just knew what he was doing. Yeah. I've heard some Tupac before this and, and I, I like them. I'm usually not going to complain about hearing Tupac. And I really liked how the, the instrumental in this album too. Like I, I wouldn't mind just having like uh, some of those tracks, just straight up instrument. I, I definitely want to just <laughs> listen to some of those on, on their own. Cause I think those were also really good too. And I think Tupac's really good at making, like, music that's, like, good at, like, just bobbing your head, too. Like, because that's what I was doing for, for most of this. <laughs> I, was, I was really vibing to it. I will add one thing about the album cover. It did cause controversy, of course, because Evangelos didn't like Tupac actually comparing himself to Christ, along with the lyrical content. As for my thoughts on the album, it's an album I do like. I used to listen to it a lot more than I do now. I listen to Tupac a lot more than I do now. Though I've never really heard a lot of his earlier stuff, and I tend to not listen to a lot of his posthumous stuff only because it kind of feels weird too. And also because that's some of the few songs Eminem is on. The Hail Mary remake with Eminem and Busta Rhymes is complete dog shit. I'm gonna say that. But yeah, no, um... I wouldn't mind exploring more of Tupac's music. That's part of why I didn't get into that East Coast, West Coast beef a lot. But this is effectively his last album. So, yeah, and uh, Tupac, no, I think a lot of people might associate him with kind of a lot of anger. But like he had, he was very deep in a lot of his lyrics. I mean, like, obviously those diss tracks, you know, obviously had emotion to them. But, like, uh, when it came to, like, his mom, like, one of the songs saddest not saddest I, I would say just kind of a song that brings a tear to my eye that's a rap song by tupac that was um dear mama right yeah dear mama and that was that was a beautiful beautiful song man that's yeah, good you know what i mean so like and then he's made songs like um he he made a song where he was basically saying that the class he wouldn't be where he is if it weren't for the classic. Uh, so he's talking about like a lot of like the slow jams back in the day or like the 60s and you know 50s musics and a lot of like the influences and how he would say that you know for him his rap wouldn't be there if they weren't there. So I I really appreciate Tupac just in general. So I'm gonna give this uh, high praise honestly because I just I, I really like it. Yeah, I can't really think there's anything on here that I would skip. I I, I like this. A lot. Especially Hail Mary. That's like one of my favorite songs on this album. 
I honestly like the whole album. I think it's one that's really easy to listen to front to back. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's very easy. You can just plop it back in again. If we had, you know, like CDs anymore. Shut up. They're stop going making extinct. me feel old. Stop They're going it. extinct. Stop it. It's okay. <laughs> you can pop it up. People don't even burn CD ROMs anymore. Listen, you motherfucker. I collect music albums on CD still. Stop making me feel old. <laughs> Ah! I am the one of CDs. <laughs> I need to buy a disc drive off Amazon. Anyways, as far as ratings go, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. Uh, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna give it, say nine, but eh, fuck it, I'll give it a ten. Yeah, you do. You want to give it a ten? Yeah, you know why? Because the ghost of Tupac yeah, is going with ten. Come, I'm going uh, with ten. He's gonna diss you. Yeah, he's gonna yeah, diss you I'm right in the room. Kill you, Kareem, if you don't give it a ten. So, anyways, that's a ten out of an overall mystery meat sticks. Wow. Yeah, you are appreciated, Tupac. Let's move on to what we're gonna do from them next Let's week. Let's move on uh, to our surprise fourth album, Only yeah. Built for Cuban Links Ooh, by Raekwon. Yeah. Just leave it up to the chef. He knows when he's got a good thing. Beef really does ring the bell. Yeah, Dang. yeah. <laughs> we didn't have a fourth <laughs> album. I'm a I, I didn't listen to it at all. I don't even know what it is. I don't even want to know who Raekwon is Raekwon's now. a good yeah, rapper, actually pretty good. Okay, I'm um, so I'm, I'm going to actually my plans originally this wasn't going to be the album i was going to suggest but i'm suggesting dog boy by zillikami dog boy by zillikami it's trap least, metal and hardcore ooh. rap listen at least not like kill a commie i'm gonna um, kill you <laughs> what i'm just saying that's at least it's not that uh anyways mine's gonna be actually something a little different it's not really an album it's more of a a live performance that we're gonna be uh reviewing it's going to be Three of Night, a live with Tennessee Symphony Orchestra. All right. And uh, I got Abracadabra by the Steve Miller Band. I've, I've been meaning to recommend this one for a while. I fucking love it. Abra, Abra. At least it's not Starbomb. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, of, I don't know uh, why. Uh, I, I, was just a, I, I just, you know, I was like, hmm, I really should torture myself. But like, no, I'm not going to do that. I uh, I showed Robbie a song called Sex Bomb Today by Tom Jones. Oh, I like that. And it was excellent. Yeah, it was magnificent. Songs good. You loved, you loved it, didn't you? Yeah. You're yeah, you loved that song. And baby, you turn can turn me, me on. Sex bomb, sex bomb. Come on, come on, Robbie. You know you love it. Yeah. Come on. Go harvest your soul. Sex bomb. Yeah, that's it.